Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We've got an interview. This has been a long time coming, but I'm so happy to have Margaret Bjork on the show. Margaret's awesome. We've worked together um, both formally at the same company, uh, but also just as friends over the past many years. Um, Margaret and I started the same day at Workday. Uh, we went to training together in Pleasanton. Um, we've kept in touch that entire time. I think what I've always appreciated um, about working with you, Margaret, is about how intentional you are about finding your sweet spots. Um, and that's really what we'll talk about a lot today on the show. I think so many, this the tech sales industry is such a big, broad industry that people treat what they sell as a commodity. Um, but I've always gotten the impression that it's been different for you. It's been much more intentional for you. So thanks very much for coming on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. I've loved listening to you guys and I, it's a real honor to, to get to be here. Good deal. So why don't we jump into it? So you've got uh, a unique background. Uh, why don't we start there? Let's talk about kind of your education um, and then how you ultimately got into tech sales. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I think that is probably right. It's unique as I was kind of preparing for this. I was kind of trying to think of different things. And I, I think one of the hardest things about my career has been that that nobody really looks like me. And I've spent quite a bit of time trying to find that. And I think finally, I've figured out that it's okay that nobody looks like me. Um, uh, because, you know, that works. But, um, but, you know, how it how it originally started, I went to like this tiny liberal arts school in upstate New York, it's actually a women's school called uh, William Smith, it also has a men's school combined with it, that's called Hobart, but, it, but I assure you they are different schools. We just do everything together. So it's just it's a little confusing. So that in itself is pretty unique. Uh, and, um, and then I started my career actually in working for nonprofits. Um, so kind of working in the program space, doing educational technology. It was, I'll, I'll age myself here. It's like when the internet was new and teachers were trying to use it in school and they needed safe places, uh, for kids to, um, explore the internet. And so I helped, I helped find those type of uh, websites that, you know, Discovery, National Geographic, and uh, created things like scavenger hunts within those sites so kids could, you know, learn about uh, learn about things but not get into danger. Sure. And so when you, you, you got into that, how did, what, what path was it that led you into getting into stuff? So you've, you kind of always, you started off really in a, in more of a technical capacity what led you into the sales aspect of it? Have you ever considered the sales aspect of this when you were in university or how did you, what led you there? Brian, you're so clearly still in UKville calling it university. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> um, uh, no, you know, I didn't, when I was in college, I was a women's studies minor and English major. Yeah. And I like, it sounds so cheesy, just wanted to change the world. I still just want to change the world. That's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to help women in some capacity. I had like zero idea how to do that. Um, and my father was in tech sales. So this is like kind of like the coolest fact about me uh, is that my father led the sales for Oregon Trail when I was a kid. 
so I kind of knew about educational technology and, you know, just through some like nepotism, he got me my first internship doing educational technology and I just kind of fell in love with it. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing was technology. Um, and I met somebody who in the industry who said, you should be in sales. And I kind of had literally no idea what that meant. And he's like, well, I'll call you next week and we'll see how it goes. And, uh, you know, would you be up to moving to Chicago? And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay. You know, and like not really understanding at all what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and he called and said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. We just, we had to hire somebody else, but I'm going to hire you next time around. And I kind of was like, what, what are we talking about? Like what? And, um, but from there, he is the one who really said, you know, you should be in sales. You have the personality for it. He probably also knows, noticed I uh, did not have the personality for detail-oriented work. Uh, so um, kind of pushing me towards another direction. And so just kind of through a push, um, he said, you should look at that. And from there, I just started applying for different uh, sales jobs and you know, convinced somebody to hire me with no experience. And uh, it was for a company, again, it was like a nonprofit that was trying to sell a product. It was called Kinetic City. It was a radio, funny this, it was a radio show that turned into a game. Um, And that wasn't really the right fit, but it got me in the right place. Uh, At the same time, I was a um, actress and comedian in DC doing improv. Um, and I saw an ad for selling ticketing software and I thought that was just such a great combination of getting to go to theaters all day and selling technology. And, you know, when I became, you know, rich and famous, I could stop doing that. Um, so that's how I started really my first tech job and selling technology was, it was kind of, that was my first path in. So on the tech sales show, Margaret, a lot of people might be where you were those few years ago and having the opportunity to take a sales job, but not really knowing what it's going to entail. What do you think in those first early opportunities that you had that you could have done different or better that would have made you, I don't know, accomplish more or find that sweet spot sooner had you known then what you know now as you first got your foray into tech sales? Well, you know, I was really lucky, actually, that position, I think the hardest thing when you're trying to get break into an industry, when you're trying to break into sales, it is just convincing somebody to to give you the shot. And so I think I worked for, you know, a 12 person company. Uh, You know, it was me, the CEO, and like, that was the right size because they couldn't afford to hire, you know, the Brian Evans of the world. So, um, you know, but at the time they could, they could hire me. And so, and what was nice about that is I also didn't have to pretend I was great or pretend I knew anything. And I had a really great boss. Um, at times he was not a great boss, but at the times he was, and he, I said, oh, I would like to take some sales training. And he hired me. And I'm like, you know, I actually should, I should tell you something. I don't know how to do this. And I should take some sales training. <laughs> and, uh, and he was nice enough to send me to, um, you know, you guys probably went through the same thing. It was through like Great Plains. We were a Great Plains reseller on the side just so we could get like cheap software. And it was solution selling 
through. Do you know what I'm? Do you guys were you guys trained with that with Microsoft? Oh, do you yeah. know what I'm thinking oh, of? Yeah. We were definitely. Solution Center yeah. is a big thing for Microsoft, and and yeah. I think to the listener that's listening to this, this is reality. Like if you're not really too far down your road in tech sales, or just still aspiring to be in tech sales, these opportunities exist. You don't have to think I want to land a job at Microsoft because that's maybe not very realistic if you have no sales experience. But my first company was 23 employees in two cities, so it was probably. 20 and maybe 20 and one and three and the other, right? Um, it's very real. Those companies need professional sellers too. And they probably don't start with a Brian Evans. You're, you're spot on. Well, good for I mean, them. We all- they wouldn't, they would, they'd fail miserably. <laughs> <laughs> hardly, hardly. Um, but yeah, so that was fun. So I took that training and that was kind of, you know, I mean, honestly, very similar to this program, not to just completely pander, uh, to my hosts here. Uh, but it, it's, it was the same type of things that that you all talk about. And it's just about the fundamentals. And it really just demystified so much of uh, the job that is terrifying when you don't know what it is, you know, when you don't know what prospecting is, or you don't know what closing is, you know, I think people always try to make sales sound like, like, it's super intense, like, well, you know, do you know how to close? Do you know how to close? And you're like, well, pump the brakes. Like, isn't, I don't, you know, this can't be that hard. And, um, and you know, if you do it right, it shouldn't be hard, right. but it's just kind of learning what those words actually mean versus kind of having them be these big giant concepts that are just kind of intimidating. Yeah, completely agree. I think the the this the small company I, I started the same way with a smaller company it was an office of like six of us that were all in sales there too and I didn't come from any sort of sales background I didn't think I would do that I didn't study for that in college not university but in college I did not study for that um, and it was a little intimidating and I think that's the the big thing about this if you're if you're new in the industry and you're trying to learn what these things mean is is be smart about what those that first company looks like. Uh, I've got a friend that's trying to get into it right now too. And he sent over a job requisition for a, a very large company. And the challenge with that for a lot of us is that it ends up in a pool of resumes that goes nowhere unless you have some sort of networking or connection to that company. And it can be a great chance to learn and to grow and to be, you know, have good executive access within the company if you start off at a smaller shop. Absolutely. And I think it's the other thing I learned a lot there is you know, I had to do everything. I had to, I was sales, I was marketing. I, uh, most of the time did my own demos. Um, so I really learned the product kind of inside and out. And it's like, again, I'm like, so not a technical person, um, to this day. Uh, but you know, you can learn anything. And, uh, and so that was just also helpful in building my confidence. Doesn't that give you perspective now though, on what each of those other people do for their day job and, give you a little bit of um, compassion when they're working late to prepare for that demo and, and everything else that goes on that, that some people that don't have that experience don't reflect on and have perspective to know that others are working really hard to help us close these big deals. That's absolutely right. And honestly, that has been one of my keys to success is, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm good at what I do. I'm not going to like pretend that I'm not, but I'm, I'm not the smartest. I'm not the best person. Center. I'm not, the, you know, I'm I'm not number one in any category. But but what I, I think I am really good at is building internal networks and internal teams. And 
um, and supporting those around me as they support me. Uh, and that, you know, just really, one, just allows you to walk into deals knowing, um, not carrying any extra stress. You know, is somebody going to throw me under the bus? Is somebody going to make me demo that new product that I shouldn't be demoing or whatever it is, kind of just knowing that, you know, the people that you work with are nice and, um, you know, are going to be there to support you and get you out of trouble if you get into trouble and vice versa. And so, Margaret, you've worked for some fast growing, um, in some cases, young companies that are in fast growing stages, some um, kind of middle of their growth cycle. As you've kind of made your way and and worked at these different companies, what it what have you learned about what you appreciate and what you enjoy? Like whether it's a company size, the type of products, how would you, what was your journey like there? And then how would you, how would you advise other people as they go through their journey too? Yeah, I think it's something where, and it's, it, I think it's hard to know what it is before you see it. But I think when you have a good day, when you have a good deal, you know, notice what that is. And, and if you can, it's hard to do it when you're so close to it and when you're new to it, but try to figure out what it is that you liked about it. You know, did you like that it was the latest technology? Did you like that you, you know, got to organize everyone? You know, whatever that is, I can probably, be, I can explain to you what it is for me now and I now understand it is I need a lot of autonomy so I don't like to stay in my lane. Um, I really try to, I, I am very entrepreneurial, which in a big company is really annoying. Like that yeah. really, I, I mean, and that's not like they're trying to put me in a box. That just doesn't work. Um, so I need to be at a smaller, high growth place where, you know, they don't have enough people and they need people kind of wearing a couple different hats so that I can you know, be a little bit product marketing, a little bit sales, um, a little bit, you know, whatever. And people, instead of saying, you know, get back in your lane, they're saying, do more of that, or how do we scale it? And um, so for me, it's autonomy, it's having impact and influence. Um, and it's getting to go pull people that I don't use at, at a big company, I would have zero access to, you know, whether yeah. that's uh, you know, our president or whether that's a product person or somebody who I just heard is really smart. And I'm like, you want to get on this call with me? And, you know, again, at a big company, that stuff ends, you know, puts you in the penalty box. Um, at a small company, that stuff gets you noticed and gets you deals. It's That's great advice. I think the inverse has been true for me. I'm probably, I'm probably not as good understanding what it is I really enjoy but I've gotten very good at understanding what I don't enjoy doing. In fact, I keep a, as geeky as this sounds, I keep a OneNote file, and you don't both probably expect this. I keep a OneNote file of the experiences uh, that I didn't like because what I'm so bad at is trying to convince myself that I'm going to be okay with something. And so I'll make a step and I'll convince myself it'll be different this time or I won't hate it like I did last time. So I keep a very detailed one note. Remember that time that you said that you, you you try to convince yourself of doing something that you wouldn't enjoy and then you got back into it and lo and behold, you didn't enjoy it again. Um, so I, I love that intentionality about um, how you decide about the path that you pursue. Yes. And I would say I talk about it from like what I like, but that's only because I have also gone those paths and had my teeth kicked in on multiple occasions and um, have had to promise myself 
and my family that I wouldn't do those things again. Sure. So you've you've also moved. So tell me about the places you've lived and what you've learned about that. Like I can fully identify with um, with the fun and challenges that brings about. Yes. So um, my so we moved a lot as kids, um, and then I didn't like I didn't really intentionally mean to be a gypsy, but um, but I am, and so yeah. is my husband. So. After we were in DC after college and the company, that little 12 person company, I mean, you know, like little, uh, engine that could, uh, we got so big that we couldn't deliver all the work that we were doing. And we got acquired by the biggest company in our industry, which was like, I mean, the coolest thing in the world. I can still tell you how proud I felt to get to go work there, to get to join that, like that sales team. We went public. We, we just, it was just really exciting. And we were young at the time. We were 25, and I honestly didn't realize I was kind of moving, doing something that was going to be such a big chunk of my life. You know, you kind of go to college, you do an internship, you do this, you do that. But we moved to Charleston, South Carolina, where we knew no one, um, and we ended up being there 12 years. But what was really fun about that is, again, I joined this company that, um, and actually, uh, like a ton of, uh, is a company called Blackbaud, and and a ton of the people now work with uh, work with you at, at Workday. There was like a hundred people my age on a sales floor in cubes, doing well, making money, selling, and it was like an instant community. Um, yeah. And it was just it's just a really nice place. So yeah, we just kind of it, it, there was nothing hard about that, um, and I honestly kind of think that was so easy that I like made my next move thinking it was going to be just as equally as easy. And 12 years later, two kids married in a driving a minivan across the country. Um, we moved to Texas and which is where I joined you at Workday, which was, you know, also again, like couldn't be prouder or happier to get to work for a company that is so well-respected has such great technology uh, take such good care of their clients. And honestly, like, uh, you know, the economic, the possibility to make a ton of money was really attractive and important to our family at that time. So sure. my husband actually left his job, uh, his super stable job and, uh, followed me and our kids and we moved to Texas and it was like right after the recession had kind of evened out. And so that was great, except that in Texas, the oil crisis yes. happened. So if you ever want to know when a market's going to tank, just watch where I buy houses. And you, and you, <laughs> you will a, know. You got a good leading indicator there. Huh? <laughs> I am a canary a little bit. So, but, uh, but yeah, so we moved to Texas. And what I noticed there, it was, you know, again, people were nice, um, but it was a whole new industry and it was a lot harder to get settled this time. And I don't really, I can't, like, I don't point my finger at anyone on that it, myself nor at anyone, but this, it was a lot harder this time. I think I, I equate it to, um, I don't know if you felt the same way about this as I do, but you, when I moved with Workday overseas, um, you kind of have to go all in with the company. You can't you can't be toe on the water. 
and it's it becomes kind of a marriage in a way, which for better or for worse, that's kind of what it is. And you you have to like be willing to accept the good and the bad that comes with that company. Otherwise, it becomes really really challenging because you have. I think there were times I, I held worked up to such high standards of what my expectations were with the move and everything else, and and what I didn't realize sometimes is how how challenging it was for them too. And uh, um, I guess the learning there for me was um, it's a big deal. It's very, very difficult. They're not going to be prepared for some things. I'm not going to be prepared for some things. And maybe there are companies that are fantastic at doing it, or maybe it's just always hard, but you've made several moves. Is it just always hard? No, no. Again, I mean, when I moved to Charleston, it was like the easiest thing that's ever happened. Um, uh, you know, what also happened when I moved to to Texas and you were actually one of the benchmarks for me and I didn't realize this. And I think this is something I know you, you know, that's kind of a unique thing for working women is that I had two young children and I, like many of us, am a perfectionist um, and I didn't know it but I had driven myself in the ground and Mm -hmm. I was incredibly sick when I arrived in Texas and did not know it. Um, I had two autoimmune diseases and um, again, I was in Texas for six weeks by myself without the kids. So like, you know, I could sleep, I could eat healthy, I could exercise. And I remember you and I in training and like the next day you would come in and you, you know, you had like recorded, you know, versions of your overview. Um, and we're doing the demo and we're doing, you know, this and that. And I was like, couldn't even like string a two slides together. And it was at that moment when I realized, um, I mean, Brian, you're super smart, like no doubt. But like, I'm like, that dude is not that much smarter than me. Like something is wrong, you know, something is wrong. I'm not learning right. And that was terrifying. I mean, I literally left a super high paying, successful job, had my husband quit his successful job and moved us out so I could, what I thought, make a million dollars And it was going to take, like you said, everything I had to give it to this new company. And my tank was on empty. Yeah. And that was terrifying. I had nowhere to turn. And and that's not true. At the moment, I felt like I had nowhere to turn. And I think, honestly, I turned to you several times. um, And you were so kind. um, And you know, we're, we're just a friend and just believed in me. And even though you had zero proof that I was smart, that I was capable, that I was a great salesperson, you have always just behaved in the way that you know that I am. And like, that was so helpful, but that was a hard, that was a hard thing. And I should have raised my hand and just told people what was going on. Yeah. I think that was, I mean, I I learned through that because I didn't fully recognize or see it at the time at all, and, and I wasn't a good friend there because I because I've I've got a friend now that's actually moving. Um, to, she was promoted and she's she's making a move, and I feel like I've been able to 
really help uh, get her kind of up to speed as to like what to expect and the challenges and then making sure that she's connected over in the in the UK market now and has has got a, has got a network over there. And I wasn't, I think, unless you've been through that kind of thing before, you don't realize how challenging it is and how how you know it can be. Even though you've got your family and you got you know yeah you got your family there, it still can be a very lonely experience professionally. Cause I think we, you know, of course we spend eight hours a day plus with these folks. And, um, when you, when you're starting from scratch, that's hard work. It's difficult. Yeah, it definitely is. And so I think that's an important thing. You know, when you move, you, like you said, you've got to give it everything you have, but you also have to understand that your company can't give you everything. So you have to, you know, I think what really helped when, you know, pull me out of that is I, st- I took that leadership class, you know, get yourself connected in the community, get to the Chamber of Commerce. They always have like Leadership Dallas or whatever it is. And it like it might make zero sense for what you're doing, but you will meet friends and you will meet people and you will understand the industry. Like I didn't <laughs> I mean, now that I say it out loud, it's so stupid. Like I didn't know anything about oil and gas. I mean, I probably still have like the scratch of paper where you're like downstream, upstream. And I'm still like, I would still have to look at that piece of paper to like have an intelligent conversation about it. But, um, but that's the stuff you have to learn when you move to a new market is like, what is their industry? Um, You have to make friends. You have to, um, you know, just make sure that you are a whole healthy person. Um, And, and your family is too, you know, your spouse is going to be at home um, also kind of isolated. So, you know, got to get it, make sure everyone's doing all right. Yeah. And so tell us about your current role today. How does that align to your core values? Tell us about what you're doing now. Well, I got one question. We were talking about moving and these moves and I know you live in Minnesota today. Like, you know, there are places other than Minnesota to live, right? It's freaking cold there. Why do you live and why does anyone live in Minnesota? I know, I know. Well, when I say it, it will start to make sense. Um, so one, I do love Dallas and I do love Texas, but it, and I lived in Charleston, South Carolina, which is also hot. Uh, there is Texas heat that is unusually hot and flat. Uh, and, you know, your kids are home all day in the summer and it's hard for them to get outside. So, um, so while Minnesota is super cold, kids are in school during the winter and I work inside. So I'm You're kind of it's okay. like 72 degrees then it's yeah, controlled. Okay, you know, got it. I'm like, I'm wearing a slippers and, uh, you know, a Patagonia and I'm good. Um, so, but I also, I, so when I was, I realized that I always say workday is my rich, gorgeous boyfriend that wanted to marry me that I couldn't marry, you know, it was such a good company <laughs> So they're so great. Everything's great about them, and just gosh darn it, so aggravating. It it just wasn't the right fit for me. And so back to like you know what these things are that are the right fits. And so what I learned at Workday, and it was like the most valuable experience I've ever had, uh, as well as humbling. Uh, but you know, one I learned like what great technology is. I mean, that's one of the things that you can you know is great to learn from companies is. Um, Honestly, again, you know, what does good technology look like? Uh, what are some amazing ways to say, you know, to actually sell? Uh, you know, I just learned a ton of stuff about how to organize and the discipline of, of what to do. But as I said, it just kind of wasn't the right fit. And 
I started, the thing that I was doing prior to Workday was selling to nonprofits. And so when you spend your day calling people saying, hey, I could, I could help you save more whales, everybody's going to take that phone call. You know, like nobody sure. says, nah, we got enough whales. I'm good. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, okay, you can get me more whales. <laughs> so that is honestly just like a lot easier selling and selling purpose is just to me a lot easier. Um, and so I had an opportunity to kind of go back into that world. And what I was really excited to do was take everything that I learned from Workday and what good looks like and take that and teach it to, uh, and take it and apply it. So I was going to, I was a part of this kind of incubator, uh, part of a, the company I actually came from. So it's called a boomerang. And, um, and I had a chance to be a people leader, which was something really important to me. And, uh, and they had an office in Minnesota where my dad was and my husband family is from. And so off we went. Very cool. And so you talked about Margaret, um, what you did to get connected to the community and to kind of build professional friendships there. How do you, like given the how fast this industry moves, how do you how do you kind of keep up to speed? How do you keep yourself um, technically up to speed? Do you is it LinkedIn? Do you just ignore that kind of stuff and focus on what you're is you're selling? Like what what's kind of your process of of staying current in the industry? Yeah, so I do. I, I LinkedIn I think is awesome. I think it just you know puts stuff in front of you that helps you stay relevant. So I think LinkedIn is great. Um, I also, um, keep up with, you know, Harvard business review. So I have a subscription to that. Um, they send the magazine and, um, and then I, you know, they, again, send you articles that I really like. And then actually what I do is, uh, I work a lot with, uh, again, not staying in my lane with our professional services people inside my the company. And, like they're so smart, they know everything. And I said, well, I, I need to know what you know. And so they got tired of me asking that. So they now just give me all their folders and with all the reports and things that they read. And um, we are a B Corp, the company I work for now, but I do print everything. And I do, I print stuff and I, um, I just keep it on, I, I keep a folder called reading and I try to just read stuff a couple things a week. I like highlight and do stuff like that, but uh, yeah. that's helpful. Very nice. And then how do you, is there anything unique about your morning routine or how you um, keep your business organized, keep family and business and all that kind of stuff organized? Anything unique about your routine there? Yeah, I try to, um, so I've actually, and you've, I think you've worked with her as well, uh, Shauna Van Bogart, who yep. um, is a performance coach. She has some awesome tools uh, of a daily planner, um, which just kind of goes through your 90-day plan um, and then your macro, your daily macro plans, your micro, um, your three non-negotiables uh, a day and uh, and then gives you kind of space to reflect, you know, what, you know, what went well today, what didn't, what are some brags. And um, I try to do that. I try to wake up early and do a little work between like six and seven. Then the kids get up and we get them to school. And, you know, then I just try to just, you know, just do normal work eight to four and uh, eight to four, eight to five. And then I try to really, I try to shut it down and just be with my kids and then, you know, wake up early and do it again. But that's that kind of special time that I get the extra stuff done. 
That's great. Well, Margaret, this has been really fun. I uh, can't thank you enough for joining the show. Um, let's definitely do this again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Before we wrap, I'll ask one question. Uh, any any books that you like to gift people? I, I find it unique, not knowing you as well as Brian knows you, that you have found your sweet spot. And some of the things that would, I guess, what that you said you learned from Workday, others might cringe hearing those stories as well. But you definitely sound very happy. You definitely seem like you enjoy a lot what what you're doing. Um, I'm very interested in what kind of books and things you gift people to maybe find their sweet spot. Yeah, actually, it's um, it, my uh, friend and mentor uh, is a woman named Shauna Van Bogart, and she is uh, a performance coach. And she, so this is kind of like it's not a book, but if I would, this is something definitely I would I would gift to other people, and I tell people all the time. She has um, a online coaching program that. Uh, uh, it kind of gets you from, you know, where you are today to where you want to be. And it is a super low investment, low touch, and it is so impactful. And I don't like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to even explain what she does and how she does it. It's like not brain surgery at all, but she's just one of these gifted people who knows how to tap in and help you find what it is that really is your thing and I think when everyone kind of can find that authentic, you know, you do you type of thing, like the world works. And so I would recommend, she actually has a, a Facebook page called Sweet Spotters uh, and, uh, and a group called Club 2.0 and this awesome thing called Vision Board Reset, which sounds cheesy, but I assure you it is life changing. It is awesome. That's great. We'll definitely include links to those in the show notes. So one last question. What about podcasts? Uh, I appreciate you being a fan of our show. Uh, I'm sure you listen to other podcasts. What would, what's the one podcast you might recommend for listeners? You know, again, I list, right now I'm listening to a lot of Rachel Hollis, who is uh, now in Austin and um, is the woman who wrote Stop Apologizing and Girl, Wash Your Face, I think it is. Um, and I think, again, just... They're, they're coming up in this world. There have not been a lot of women, high achieving women that like have kids and, and like want to integrate it all. And it's messy and it's like, it's not awesome, but then it's awesome at the same time. Um, and that's what I think Rachel Hollis and Shauna and a lot, a lot of these people really speak to. And I think there was really a, something missing in the marketplace. And I, and I really think for myself is, you know, the world didn't look like me for a long time. And now there's a lot of people that look like me and are like kicking ass and taking names. And it's just really, really fun and inspiring to listen to them and, 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 uh, you know, get to learn from them. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely include, um, links to all of this. Thank you for the, the great recommendations. Sure thing. Well, super. Well, with that, we'll wrap up Margaret again. Thank you so much for joining. This has been fantastic. Let's definitely do this again. Absolutely. As always, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.